This is Rita with Voting Equals Democracy, and today we will be discussing the importance of voting. Today I have Deb Otis with Fair Vote here. Now, Deb, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Deb Otis, and I'm a research analyst at Fair Vote. Now, Deb, how can citizens ensure that their voice is being taken into consideration in the status quo elections? What about the threat of the Electoral College? That's a great question. You know, a critical way that we can ensure voters' voices are heard is by changing the method that we use to vote. Most elections in the U.S. use what's called the plurality voting method, which is what we're all most familiar with. It means we all vote for one candidate, and then the person with the most votes wins. It sounds simple, but it leads to some big problems. Our elections are filled with non-majority winners. That means a candidate who wins with less than a majority, less than 50% support. So more than half of the voters voted for someone else, yet that person can still win. Uh, This can happen in primary elections when there's a crowded field. We saw this uh, in some Democratic primary races this year. We saw this in the Republican presidential race in 2016. Uh, This also happens in general elections when independent or third-party candidates enter the race. Uh, Often, we see vote splitting, where candidates who appeal to similar groups of voters may split up that base of support, and it can prevent either of those candidates from winning. Like we see Green Party candidates maybe splitting votes away from Democrats or Libertarian candidates splitting votes away from Republicans. And so what does this do to voters? It leaves us sometimes feeling stuck. We feel like we have to vote for one of the frontrunners because they're the only candidates with a chance of winning. Uh, If we don't vote for one of them, then our vote might be wasted. Uh, How many folks have ever uh, done done the math? They said, should I vote for the candidate I like best? Or should I vote for the candidate who has the best chance of defeating the candidate I like least? And so this gets us all into strategic voting, and it's not good for voters, and it's not good for our campaign cycle. It leads to increased toxic negativity in our campaign cycle. And so I think one of the best ways that we can make sure our voices are all heard is to examine the systems which we use in order to elect people. Uh, The U.S. is in a small minority of countries in the world that use this outdated voting method. Uh, So a better method is ranked choice voting, which is one of the primary areas of focus for fair vote. Ranked choice voting just means that voters have the option to rank candidates on the ballot instead of choosing just one. So you mark which candidate is your first choice, who's your second choice, and so on. It solves the problem of candidates winning without majority support, and it changes incentives for campaigns. That's really interesting, that rank voting, I think that that's a really effective way in order to kind of combat the threat of the Electoral College, because when we have politicians and those who are higher up on the hierarchy kind of over, over like shedding on our opinions and our votes, that's just definitely diminishing democracy and the principle of it. So I think that's a really effective method in ensuring that our voices are heard regardless of the outcome. I think you're absolutely right. You know, in in our last presidential election in 2016, about a dozen states gave their electoral votes to a candidate who did not win a majority. Uh, You know, this is because we had a couple of uh, third-party candidates running. We had a Green Party and a Libertarian candidate who both uh, got enough of the vote to deny winners a majority in a lot of states. So, you know, one of the things that really bugs me about the Electoral College is that 
most states allocate their electors in a winner-take-all method. So, you know, someone can scrape by with only 45% support in one state, but get 100% of that state's electors. So we need a better way to determine who's winning these elections. Right. And speaking of that, what do you think that the needed election reform with the current state of affairs our country is battling due to the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time to be trying to conduct elections. You know, a lot of states have already changed the date of some of their elections this spring. Uh, People are implementing changes to vote by mail and uh, increased online voter registration and things like that. Uh, when we have to, when we have circumstances that make us reevaluate the way we're holding our elections, it's a great opportunity to uh, use this conversation to push for powerful improvements. And it's also a challenge uh, because we need to be deliberate in how we implement these changes. You know, all of us agree, I think, that uh, fair elections are absolutely critical for our democracy. But in order to achieve that goal, how do we do that when public health circumstances are making it harder to vote? Um, you know, first of, all, first of all, I support what's called no excuse absentee voting, meaning anyone should be able to request an absentee ballot by mail without having to prove to their state that they had a specific reason for doing so. No excuse absentee. Uh, but secondly, I also support maintaining some in-person voting locations, so not doing 100% vote by mail. Uh, And these in-person voting locations, of course, should have some health and safety precautions. Um, But these are needed, I think, particularly to address needs of voters who can't vote absentee. We certainly would not want to disenfranchise those voters. Uh, Some key groups there are people without a permanent address who can't reliably receive mail or some voters with disabilities. So a a mix of a lot of absentee voting, but some in-person voting as well. Uh, But, you know, the bottom line is, lastly, I support planning ahead. We just don't know what the COVID situation is going to look like in November. Right. That makes perfect sense. I think that planning ahead is something that's definitely crucial and that our country must do in order to have a successful voting turnout in this upcoming November election. And lastly, what is the ultimate message that you're trying to spread about democracy? My ultimate message is that every voter should have their voice heard. Our outdated voting method locks some voters out of the conversation. Gerrymandering makes some elections, the outcome, feel like a foregone conclusion, so voters don't have any impact. And our, uh, you know, vote for one, pick one and pray method, uh, it also makes voters feel like their voice is not being heard. Our, our American democracy is great because of the work and the passion of our citizens who always make sure that it works for us, for the voters. Uh, so I know that I might be speaking largely to a younger audience here. So my message is, it's your turn to join this movement. Every voter needs to have their voice heard. And I am thrilled for uh, your generation to be uh, coming of age, turning 18, joining the electorate and getting involved in these fights with us. Totally. That's really important, you know, to increase the turnout among the youth. I think that's definitely something that I want to see in this upcoming November election and in the future elections as well. It's definitely what our country needs to see the change that we want to see. So, Deb, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. We really uncovered and unpacked a lot of valuable and important information that's useful for all ages in this upcoming November election. 
So thank you again to Deb Otis and the Fair Vote organization. And please stay tuned for some upcoming episodes. Thank you.